National Broadcasting Company presents Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 67, Reflection, as written and directed by Harry W. Junkin. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Harry W. Junkin. Thank you, Fred, and a very happy New Year to everyone. Since the past is composed entirely of memories, and since the future has not yet happened, the present, perhaps, is nothing more than a nostalgic mingling of the two elements. Our story today concerns the past and the present of three very nice people. Their present, of course, like yours, is today, this day, New Year's Day, 1950. Here is Jan Miner as Ann Stratton with Bryna Rayburn and Bob Haig in Reflection, Attraction 67 on Radio City Playhouse. It's been a perfect New Year's Day, but I'm going home. Oh, Maud, don't rush. Yes, yeah, stay for a while. Now, you're not that tired. I find your grandchildren rather exhausting. <laughs> was rather hectic, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, I think everybody had a good time. Uh, it's so wonderfully quiet now. Just the three of us together. 1950. 1950. <laughs> Hard to believe, isn't it? How long has it been, Maud? 32 years. It's a long time for three people to be friends. Yes, it's a very long time. But here we are again. Maud and Peter and I. This is the 32nd time we've wished each other Happy New Year. I remember the first New Year's. It was 1918. You sailed for France that day, Peter. I remember how bleak it was and how miserable I felt. We'd been married eight days and then you sailed for France. That was the day I met you, Maud. After his boat left, I wandered around in the rain, then went into some horrible, steamy little restaurant to have some coffee and get warm. And there you were, sitting at the table. Excuse me, would you pass the salt, please? Thank you. Oh, anything wrong? No. Oh, no. I suspect that what you need, dearie, is a drink. Women who eat all alone in third-rate restaurants on New Year's Day should get extremely drunk. No, it's just the, the rain and... Oh, look here, I'm sorry. Oh, it's none of my business. I'm just the gabby type. I didn't mean to pry. Doesn't matter. Is it somebody in the war? husband. Oh, I am sorry. I get used to it, I suppose. Oh, had, had you been married long? Eight days. Oh, then he isn't dead. Oh, no. He isn't dead. Oh. Why do you say oh like that? Well, I thought it was really something serious. Serious? 
If you'd be married for eight days and your husband went away to war, how would you feel about it? Pretty badly, I suppose. Hand me the sugar. Well, if you haven't been married, you can't imagine how you... You're not married, are you? No. Well, then. I'm a widow. Oh. He was in the first contingent. He was killed. Killed? Oh, no. Oh, for goodness sake, stop blubbering all over everything. <laughs> there are lots of other wives in the same fix. How dare you talk to me like that? Who do you think you are? But I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm simply saying that there's no use bawling about it, especially in public. What do you do, anyway? Do? You work? No, no, I don't. Where are you from? Boston. You lived with your parents? An aunt. Going back to Boston? I guess so. I don't want to, but what else can I do? Work. But I've never worked in my life. I've no experience. You've got I... style. You're good-looking. Know anything about clothes? Oh, no. I... no. Don't answer me. You only know how to buy them, not sell them. Oh, incidentally, my name's Maud Arnett. <laughs> I'm Ann Stratton. Well, how do you do, Ann? And Happy New Year. has a key to this apartment. Uh, I've got something terribly important to tell you. You've been fired? No. You've ruined our dinner? No. All right, I'll bite. What is it? Well, I... Um, well, uh, when, you, when you let me share your apartment, Maud, we agreed that everything had to be 50-50. So? Well, I won't be able to do that for much longer because I'm... I'm having a baby. Your what? Yes. A baby. Suffering cats as if life weren't complicated enough. Well, so I won't be able to stay on here. I'll have to quit my job. No, no, wait a minute, little Annie Stratton. You'll move out of here over my dead oh, body. Oh, Lord, we can't have washing strung all over the place. It's too small. And, and anyway, I'm going to have to live on what Peter sends me. I just can't afford now, it. Now, look, Anne. Gerald and I never had children. And, but I've always wanted to have a baby. If you'd sort of let me be around for this one, why, I'd get a... Well, I'd like it. Maud, I just can't let a you... A baby! Suffering cats, you and I are going to have a baby. <laughs> All right, I'm coming. Why, it's Peter. That's right. But we didn't expect you until tomorrow night. You're Maud, I take it. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a shock, but... Well, don't stand there gawking. Come in. You don't sound very glad to see me. Oh, of course I'm glad to see you. It's just that Anne and I thought it was tomorrow night. Where is she? She's in the hospital. Father. You mean I'm too late? Oh, no. Can I go and see her? Is she all right? Mother and daughter are doing very well, and they'll be home tomorrow. You can't go and see her because they don't let even fathers into the hospital at this hour. You can sleep here tonight. But but you're alone, aren't you? I'm perfectly harmless, and I'm a respectable widow. <laughs> now, don't be silly. This is 1918, not the dark ages. You can sleep in Anne's room. She'll be home tomorrow with Mary. Mary? Is she pretty? Well, as babies go, I suppose she's all right. I only saw her for a second. And Anne's fine? Anne is very fine. Oh, gosh. Imagine me a father. Uh, Peter... Yes? Yeah, I'm trying to phrase it as delicately as I can, but you will have a bath, won't you? 
It's <laughs> the ten days on the boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you know, Maud, I think you and I are going to be good friends. <laughs> good friends. Oh, yes, Maud, you've been a good friend. I remember that the next New Year's, Peter and I had a little apartment of our own and you came for dinner we talked about what we'd do and how we'd make a great deal of money and be famous. <laughs> we didn't do any of those things, did we? Wasn't it 1920 that you started your dress shop? And then the next year, Peter opened his brokerage business. You and I made the curtains, remember? We were so excited and pleased. 1925 was the first Christmas dinner we had in this house. Then, in 1929... What happened to everybody else happened to us. Hello, Maud. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, but this place has gone crazy. Peter, what is it? What's going on? The whole market's burst like a bubble. It's like a big overinflated bubble. What do you want, Maud? I haven't much time. Well, I... I... Wanted to borrow some money. Oh, you too? They'll sell my American Bellino unless I put up $8,000 margin. $8,000 won't be enough, Maud. Some of our best securities have tumbled like bogus gold stocks. AT&T has dropped 100 points. Oh, my... Besides, I I haven't anything like $8,000. In fact, we're not opening tomorrow. Peter. We're broke. Cleaned right out. Flat, busted, broke. You can't mean it. Outside of a couple of hundred Anne has in the household account, I have no money at all. None. There have been 16 million shares thrown on the market since it opened this morning. A man in this building shot himself. Oh, Peter. We're finished, Maud. It's over. Oh, Peter. Darling, you look so terrible. Why don't you go home? Have you told Anne? I haven't seen her for 36 hours. Peter, it isn't... I mean, you'll be able to... Well, eat, won't you? You'll be able to eat for as long as the 200 lasts. I just... Can't believe it. Nobody can believe it. Well, I, I guess I'd better be going. Sorry, I can't help. Go home, Peter. Please go home. So that's it, darling. We've nothing left. We're poor. No, we're not. Look, I, I'm trying to make you understand. We have no money. I can't write a check for five dollars. Your household money is all we have. No, Peter. We have much more than that. We've our health. We've three fine children. Who like to eat regularly. Shh, now we've our health and our children and each other. I don't think we're poor. I think we're the richest people in the world. Some years, there were new years without turkey. They were lean years, working years. Slowly, we began to creep back to where we'd been. We began to make money again. By 1932, you'd acquired four stores, Maud, and Peter was back in the brokerage business. And then New Year's became a celebration again. 
our children were growing up. It was in 1938, when she was 20, that Mary... Oh, Mort, you were good to Mary. I love staying all night with you, Aunt Maud. You understand me. I suppose your parents don't. Oh, it isn't that, but, but they're stuffy. Sometimes I wonder if Mother and Dad were ever really in love. I mean, really. You do, do you? Dad's being deliberately selfish about Rex Stedman. His father left him almost 20000 a year. Why should he work? Mary, it's hard to explain, but... Well, it isn't natural for a boy of 22 to have no place to go. Can't you understand that we love each other? As soon as I graduate, we're going to be married. If you'll wait that long. If he wants you badly enough. He'll wait. You don't know what it's like. To be in love? No. To be afraid. That... Well, that he'd change. That he'd meet somebody else. If I ever thought that... And Mar, if he should ever stop loving me, I'd... I'd just die. Honestly, I'd just die. Mary, please stop crying. Please. Oh, Dad, please, if you'll just help me out of this, I'll never give you a moment's worry again, as long as I live. Of course, we'll help you, darling. Now, don't cry. There, there. I, I don't even love him now. You run along to bed. Your mother and I want to talk about this. Go on now, there's a good girl. And don't worry. Please, whatever you do, don't worry. And don't be afraid. All right. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mother. You should have said good night to her. I, I can't stand to talk about it. And Mary thought... She thought she had a hold on something. Something fine and wonderful. Turned out badly. Well, she's only human. I suppose Rex Stedman is pretty dashing to a 20-year-old. How could she? After all we've done. After all we've given. We've been friends to our children, Peter. Yes, we have. We've done everything that any parents could possibly do. We've told her everything she's ever needed to know. I can't help it, Peter. You do everything you can for your children and then they... They put a knife in your heart and just, just laugh about it. We're stuffy and conservative. Dull. You can't bring your children up to be grateful. They didn't ask to be born. You can't scold her or criticize her. You've got to love her. Love her more than you ever have before. Did you talk to this boy? Yes, I... I don't think we want him in the family. Well, will he marry her? No. I'm afraid that now he... he doesn't really like Mary very much. Then, Maud, you took over. You whisked Mary off to Europe on a buying trip. Even though it seemed that a part of our hearts were broken for always, we soon got over it. The important thing was that Mary got over it. And you helped her. Oh, Maud, you've been good to my children. 
The next New Year's that I remember well was 1941. We were at war, but we hadn't been touched by it yet. That was to come later in the year. But, David, your mother and I and Susan and Mary and Maud are very proud of you. We've bought you a present, something you can always wear no matter where the Army sends you. You can wear it and think of us. And with it goes something we need no occasion to give you. All our love. All right. I know what it is. Oh, little Miss Snoopy over here on my right. (laughs) Gosh, a watch. You know, Dad, when I saw this on your dresser yesterday, I, I was afraid it was a pen and pencil set. Oh, <laughs> uh, do I have to make a speech? Yes, you do. Well, uh, Mother, Dad, Maud, Mary, and Snoopy. Snoopy. <laughs> I, uh, well, it certainly is wonderful. I, I uh, can't say how much I... Oh, gosh, Mother, I can't make a speech. Give Susan her ice cream. Oh, well, let's well, all go into the living room for our coffee. Peter, I think this occasion demands some of your very best brandy. Yes. Oh, good come idea. on, everybody. Into the living room. Come, Susan. I've been saving it for something good. David, wait a minute. But what is it, Maud? I have something for you, David. Just from me. Here. Maud? It's a hundred-dollar bill. When you get to London, you can have one on me. I'm not going to see you off. I I don't like goodbyes in public. Be careful, David, won't you? Next to Dorothy, you're my very best girl. <laughs> well, go on into the living room then before I smear up my face. And if you let anything happen to you over there, I'll tan the hide off you. Come in, David. We've only got about ten minutes, Mother. Nearly ready? Yes, dear. My, but you look wonderful in that uniform. I'm so glad they made you an officer. Are you? And you will be careful, won't you? Airplanes are so... Well, I wish you'd join something on the ground. (laughs) We'd better hurry. David, you will be careful. No smart Alec stuff, no horseplay. No silly chances. Promise? I promise. I'll be fine. I know. You know how I know? How? Last night before I went to bed, I was thinking about you. (laughs) Mothers are just, well, like that. I opened the Bible, and you know what it said? Hmm? I memorized it. It said, I will deliver thee in that day, and thou shalt not be given unto the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, because thou hast put thy trust in me. Saith the Lord.
Hi. Anybody home? Oh, hi, Dad. Dad, uh, Mother's kind of upset. A telegram came about David from Washington. He's getting the Medal of Honor. He... He's what? Yes, the telegram just came this afternoon, but... Dad, take it easy. Mother's a bit emotional. You know, she just has never gotten over it, and that's all, and it sort of made it all come back. That's you, dear? Okay, Mary. Mr. Hillsman phoned Peter. He wants you to call him as soon as you come in. <laughs> Hello, dear. What's this about a telegram? It's on the mantel. If you don't mind, I think I'll go upstairs. Wait, Anne, please. You might just as well face it that he's dead. There's no use going on torturing yourself. He... He isn't missing anymore. He's dead. They told us that. They've found him and they've buried him. Mary, will you read the telegram I have in my glasses? Yes, Dad. In the name of the 78th Congress, the President of the United States and the Chief of Staff of the United States Army Air Corps, on behalf of all ranks of the United States Army, takes pleasure in informing you that your son, the late Captain David Crandall Stratton, has been posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for conspicuous gallantry above and beyond the call of duty while partaking in a bombing raid over Berlin on the 18th day... Stop it! I don't want it. I don't want the medal. And I don't wish to discuss it anymore. Are you blind, Peter? Can't you see anything? What do I want with a medal? He's dead, isn't he? Then why can't they leave me alone and let me try to forget it? Now I'm going to see about dinner and I don't want to talk about David ever again. Do you understand? Never, ever again. Thank you, Peter, for being so understanding about David. You suffered as much as I did. But you didn't let me know it. The first New Year's after the war, as soon as it was possible, you let me go to see his grave. You knew that I'd never gotten it straightened out. And you knew that I had to. This is as far as we can drive, Mrs. Stratton. You'll have to walk the rest of the way. You've been very kind, Captain. This is fine. Shall I help you find it? We have the location. Would you mind if we went by ourselves? Of course not. I'll wait here. Take as long as you wish. Come, Susan. Yes, Mother. Mother, there are so many of them. Yes. I suppose we can be absolutely positive that it is David, can't we? Yes, we can. It's such a beautiful place. I didn't think it would be this beautiful, did you? Here it is. It, it's just like all the others. Yes. I don't quite know what I expected. But I thought it would be different. Somehow different as he was. Shall I put the flowers on it? No. I think I will. Do, do you want me to go away? No. I just want to stand here a moment and look at it. All right. <laughs> Hello, David. Thank you for that trip, Peter. Seeing where he was buried made it easier to 
Well, it gave it a sort of finality. Beautiful old French countryside and the trees and everything so well cared for. It made it easier to remember David as he was. Then the next year, Mary got married. The strange, sad love affair of a young girl was forgotten. It meant a lot to you, Maud, because Mary was always your favorite. When she got back from her honeymoon, she had you to lunch in her brand new house. Do you remember that lunch, Maud? It settled something for you that you'd never quite like to ask about. Oh, it's a darling house, Mary. And a very good lunch. Oh, I'm glad you <laughs> liked it. Mary. Yes? Mind if I ask you a personal question? Have I ever minded? Well, have you ever told George about, you know? Yes. Yes, I have. What did he say? George is a very gentle man, Maud. I know that, but what did he say? He said that if I was her mother, she must have been a beautiful baby. And that he was sorry she hadn't lived because he'd have been proud to have her as a daughter. What a kind thing to say. I thought it was. Thank you for telling me, Mary. It's only because... Well, you're like my own flesh and blood. And I always wondered... That's all right, Maud. I know how you feel. Of course, the color on that chair is perfectly horrible. Besides, nobody ever uses velour anymore. So many, many New Year's days, now with grandchildren. They were a little tiring, weren't they? We're back where we started now, Mary with her own family, Susan away at school, and the three of us getting slightly old. New Year's Day, 1950. 32 years of saying Happy New Year. And we really mean so much more. I wish we could find the words. Or I wish I could. Peter, the fire's out. Mm. Well, so it is. Man, you're practically asleep. No, not asleep. I've just been thinking with my eyes shut. I was thinking how long we've known each other. Oh, what a depressing thought. Maud. Peter? Yes. What, dear? Happy New Year. You have just heard Reflection, Attraction 67 on Radio City Playhouse. Jan Miner starred as Ann Stratton. Maud was Bryna Rayburn. Peter was Bob Haig. Other members of the cast included Rosemary Rice, Bill Lipton, and Joan Laser. The music was composed by Dr. Roy Shield and conducted by Norman Clothier. The script was written, directed, and produced by Harry W. Junkin. This is Harry Junkin again. 
On behalf of our cast, our engineer, Monroe J. Lawrence, our sound technician, John Powers, Norman Clotier and the men in the orchestra, all of us connected with Radio City Playhouse, sincere good wishes for the best of everything in the coming year. Good afternoon, everybody. What's on NBC tonight? Radio's outstanding dramatic program, Theater Guild on the Air, presents While the Sun Shines, starring Peter Lawford and Arthur Margitson. Following Theater Guild, keep tuned for the American album of familiar music. Both are part of your great NBC Sunday. This is Fred Collins speaking. And now stay tuned for James Melton and Harvest of Stars on NBC. NBC.